This is KMTT. Tuesday, Parshat HaShavua, will be delivered by Rav Alex Israel. Vayishlach Yaakov Malachim Lefanav El Esav Achiv Artsa Seir Sidei Edom Our parsha begins in a nail-biting scene as Yaakov and his young family return to Eretz Yisrael uh, to be confronted by Esav. And uh, the way we recall the scene is that Yaakov sends messengers with a message of peace to Esav. How does Esav respond? What is Esav's response to Yaakov extending his hand in a brotherly manner? This is what we hear. Perek Lamed Bet, Pasuk Vav, Vayashuvu HaMalachim El Yaakov Lemor, Banu El Achicha El Esav, Vegam Holech Likratecha Verabam Yot Ishimo. The messengers came back to Yaakov and said, We came to your brother to Esav, and he is coming to meet you with 400 men. Yaakov's response when he hears this is, Yaakov Yaakov is terrified. He ends up splitting the camp into two. And he says, if Esav comes to kill, to decimate one of our camps, at least one camp will escape. The impression here that we get is that Esav is terrifying. Esav is coming with his 400 men in order to um, perform something of a bloodbath to the camp of Yaakov. If I take Rashi's cue on this, and this is the approach that I'm presenting now, is certainly one that Rashi will follow. Uh, Rashi says the following. He says, The messengers come back and say, We came to your brother, to Esav. You say, He is your brother. He is acting like Esav HaRasha, the evil Esav. He still hates you. And hence Yaakov has to prepare for three methods, for Doron, for some sort of diplomacy or bribery, for Tfilah and Milchama, for prayer and for war. And when he prays, he he delivers his, his ultimate fear where he says, Hatzileni na miyadachim miyadesav, save me from my brother from Esav. Because I am terrified from him, I'm scared from him. Because he will kill us, women and children. He has no mercy. This is terrifying Esav, menacing, threatening Esav. This is an Esav who lives by the sword and who is approaching with an army of 400 people against a defenseless group of men, women and children. Now, this is the way that we've traditionally been taught the parsha. Um, however, I have one central question with this uh, image. And the question is this. If we turn forward just one chapter to the beginning of chapter 33, we see the meeting between Yaakov and Esav. And uh, Yaakov um, emerges from his nighttime encounter with the aggressor of the night, and we will talk about the man who struggled with Yaakov in a few minutes. 
but it says, He suddenly looks up, and Esav is there, and there he is with 400 people, and he quickly organizes his family. But then, and I skip a few lines, Yaakov bowed seven times to Esav, and suddenly, Esav runs towards Yaakov, he hugs him, he fell on his neck, and kissed him, and they cried. What seems to happen when they actually meet Yaakov and Esav, is that uh, Esav embraces him in a big brotherly bear hug. It's like two long lost brothers who are so so overwhelmed with emotion to see each other. And in fact, uh, Esau is, is incredibly congenial and brotherly. He turns around and he says, Why don't we travel together? You're on the move. I'm on the move. Why don't we travel? And, and Yaakov politely declines. But one wonders, how could such a terrifying, aggressive Esau turn into such a, a brotherly meeting? Is there something is there something wrong in our understanding here? Well, this is certainly the perspective of Rashi. And Esau at the beginning of the story is, is is frighteningly aggressive, and at the end there is no doubt that he is friendly. However, there are other readings of this parsha, and uh, if you open the Rashbam, the Rashbam, uh, Rashi's grandson, has a incredibly different reading. Uh, which I want to share with you. Again, let's go back to the start of Parshat Vayishlach. Yaakov sends messages to Esau, and he says, if I only find favor in your eyes, um, I have sent some messages, I want to find favor in your eyes, um, I'm on my way home. The response the messengers come back. He is coming to meet you, with four hundred people accompanying him. Here's the Rashbam's comments. The messengers say, We came to your brother to Esav, like you wanted. You found favor in his eyes. He is so delighted at your arrival, and because he loves you, he is bringing 400 people in your honor. The Rashbam says this is the essence of the Pshat. If you read the story, this is really what's going on here. And in fact, he has a lovely proof. He quotes from Shemot chapter 4, when two other long-lost brothers reunite. Those two brothers are Moshe and Aharon, and there the language is, The same uh, notion of traveling to meet you, and there Aharon is animated by joy. Likewise, he claims, Esav is joyous at the arrival of Yaakov, after all. Twenty years have passed. They were younger then. They were in the heat of a huge argument. Now, they each have their own families. Who cares about quibbles that took place twenty years ago when they were younger? Esau is delighted to see his sibling, his twin, his brother. 
Why shouldn't he be happy to see him come home after his long 20 year exile? Why shouldn't he be delighted to meet the family? So what's fascinating is we've started off with a question um, according to Rashi. How did such an aggressive, frightening Esau end up giving Yaakov a big kiss and a hug? For the Rashbam, this is certainly not a problem. The Rashbam says that Esau was delighted to see Yaakov from the get-go, from the start. Esau came with 400 people to welcome Yaakov in style. He was couldn't wait to see his brother, and that's why he marches ahead to give him a true um, brotherly welcome uh, in style. According, so now we're going to we're going to have two questions. One question according to Rashi, and one question according to the Rashbam. For Rashi, the question is what transformed Asab's fury, his anger, his insult, his bitterness into love. How do we explain that? For the Rashbam, we wonder what this story is really about. Because if Esav is, has good intent all the way through, what is it about? Interestingly enough, the Rashbam tells us, I mean, the problem for the Rashbam is, well, if Esav is so friendly and he sends the message forward, why is Yaakov so scared? By Yira Yaakov, says the Rashbam, Yaakov was terrified, Belibo. In other words, Rashbam says this is actually a story about Yaakov. Yaakov is terrified. Yaakov could not believe that Esav had got over the past. Yaakov possibly is living in the past. He has not forgotten what he did to his brother. He has not forgotten Esav's tears and his cries, Esav's threats and his uh, death uh, death threat to Yaakov. And Yaakov cannot believe that Esav has forgiven him. Yaakov is filled with fear, with paranoia, even when he hears that Esav is coming in joy. Maybe according to the Rashbam, the story is more about Yaakov than about Esav. So we're going to take these one at a time and we're going to start with Rashi and get to Rashbam later on. What transformed Esav from the terrifying aggressor to the friendly brother? When we look at the story, there are really five candidates, five possibilities as to what might have changed Esav. Let me try and list them. The first option is the Yaakov prayed. He prayed, he prays to God, he prays to God and says, I'll get the phrase, I am not befitting for all of your kindnesses, but, but, but please just save me. We're all going to be killed. Maybe God listened to his prayers and somehow intervened. After all, in the previous scene with Lavan, uh, God appeared to Lavan in a dream and uh, made Lavan promise that he wouldn't touch Yaakov and wouldn't harm him in any way. Is it possible that Yaakov's prayers here broke through to God and somehow God intervened? So the first option is Yaakov's prayer was effective. Option two. Option two is the mincha, the gift that Yaakov sends in numerous ways towards Esav 
He sends with him a selection of different animals and gifts. And after each one, they turn round and say to him that this is a gift. It is a gift to my master Esav. From who? From your servant Yaakov. Yaakov belittles himself. He showers Esav with honor and gifts. And his hope is very clear. He says it in verse 20. He says, Kiamar, he said, Panav, I will try and cover his face, I will grease his palm, I will grease his face, with the gift that goes before me, when I see him, he will tolerate me, he will be happy to accept me. The hope is that this gift, this bribe, will in some way change Esau's temperament. Is that true? This is certainly the second candidate in the story. A third possibility, which I think is quite a, a reasonable one, is that uh, in the meeting, when Esav actually meets with Yaakov in the morning, Yaakov bows down seven times, prostrates himself to the floor. He's actually limping at the time, so we have a rather pathetic-looking Yaakov after his fight with the man of the night. And he bows down seven times. Maybe this sense of Yaakov bowing down to Esav relieves Esav of any worries that he has that Yaakov gained the brachot. The Yaakov had one up on him. He can see the way that Yaakov is, is terrified. He sees the, sees the fear in his eyes and he realizes, what's the point? Who am I fighting with? Uh, I am strong. I am powerful. Yaakov's terrified. Let's leave him to his own devices. If anything, he's worthy of my pity. And suddenly all of his uh, animosity and all of the um, hatred of yesteryear simply disappears. And the fourth candidate, possibly, for the scene which transformed Esav uh, from his hatred to his love, would be the view of the children. When he sees Yaakov surrounded with his family, maybe he cannot bring himself to charge, to attack, to kill. Um, he sees that Yaakov has a family, a young family, just like he has. Why should he attack them? I believe that all of these are, are reasonable candidates um, to explain how Esav might have changed. However, Rashi doesn't really dwell on these as the potential pivot the cause which transforms Esav. And instead, Rashi takes us into a whole different world, which I'd like to share with you in the upcoming minutes. You see, here I'm going to offer a fifth possibility, uh, actually right in the middle of the four that I, I suggested. Um, and the, the fifth possibility relates to the strange encounter, the strange struggle of the night, when Yaakov seems to be crossing the river. Um, he gets up, during the night, he tries to cross the Yabok stream or the Yabok Wadi. And in the process of moving the family over, Yaakov is left alone. A man struggles with him till the very dawn. Who is this? Is this a man or is it an angel? It is unclear. And we will see very soon that the text in the Tanakh is, is tremendously ambiguous. But Rashi, uh, Rashi who views uh, Esau as menacing at the start and friendly at the end, 
uh, has no doubts as to who this nighttime adversary is. Rashi tells us, The rabbis explained, That we're dealing with an angel, and not just any angel. We are dealing with Esav's alter ego, Esav's guardian angel, somehow some embodiment, some spiritual embodiment of Esav's spirit. And Yaakov has to fight this spirit. Now this is rather strange. Uh, a man fighting with angels? I won't get into that. But what is the fight about? If you recall, they struggle all night. And uh, Esav, or, or the, the, sorry, the man, tries to, or the angel, uh, he touches Yaakov's uh, thigh and somehow dislocates his thigh in some way. But still, Yaakov will not let go. Yaakov has him pinned down. And the angel says, please let me go. The morning has risen, I have to leave. Yaakov says, I will not release you. You have to bless me. And suddenly we have the word bracha. This fascinating, resonating word bracha, which resounds throughout the struggle of Yaakov and Esav. Rashi's reading is this, I won't let you go till you bless me. What blessing did he want? Rashi says, Hodali al-habrachot sheberchani avi. Concede to me that the blessings which my father blessed me, she'esav ma'arer alihem, that Esav still contests, concede that they are mine. And uh, when the angel does bless him, he blesses him by changing his name from Yaakov to Yisrael. What does Yaakov mean and what does Israel mean? Rashi explains, They will not say that the blessings came to you through stealth and through cunning and trickery. That's the meaning of the word Yaakov. They will have come to you by right, by virtue of your supremacy, and with an open face, in open. In other words, the struggle in the night is basically about who rightfully has the brachot. And the reason why Esav is so friendly in the morning, the reason why Esav, all his hatred has gone away, is because actually the fight in the night determined the meeting in the morning. The fight in the night decided who had, was the rightful heir to those blessings. It proved that Yaakov was the rightful heir the spirit of Esav conceded to Yaakov that he indeed was the had the right brachot by right and now there's nothing to argue about in the morning Esav can meet Yaakov without any tension without any fear without any aggression the coast is clear now this might seem rather too fantastic how do we get to this point but I would like to relate to maybe uh, three points where we can actually see a, a fantastic parallel between the story of Yaakov and Esav themselves and this nighttime struggle with the Ish, with the mysterious man of the night. And to do this, I have to relate to a particular Pasuk, Pasuk Lamed, in Perak Lamed Bet. Perak Lamed Bet, Pasuk Lamed. There it says, And Yaakov called the name of the place Peniel. Very interesting name, Peniel. The face of God. Why? Ki ra'iti Elohim panim al panim. 
because I saw God face to face, or maybe I saw a powerful figure, an angel face to face, but it's called Elohim. I saw Elohim, panim el panim, vatsinatzel nafshi, and my life was saved. In other words, it's called Peniel, the face of God, because he sees Elohim, panim el panim. That's what he says after he comes to after the fight throughout the night. He saw God face to face. Pay attention to that. And he was saved. I say this because if you look ahead at chapter 33, Periklamad Gimel, Pasuk Yud, he now talks to Esav. And Esav says, Yaakov says, uh, please take my gift. Ki ra'iti panecha. Because you, Esav, I see your face. Kirot panei Elohim. Your face is like the face of Elohim. Hold on a second. The night before he was fighting with Panim El Panim with something called Elohim. In other words, are we saying that somehow Esav looked like this angel, looked like this nighttime adversary? Again, I'll, I'll give you the textual proof. Kiraiti Elohim Panim El Panim. I saw God face to face. That's what he says about the angel. And about Esav, Kialkain Raiti Panecha. I see your face, Kiropne Elohim like seeing the face of God. Are we trying to say that Esau's face is reminiscent of the angel, or that the angel is some reflection of Esau? That's reflection or proof number one. Second of all, he says, Ra'iti Elohim panim al panim vatinatzel nafshi. My life was saved. However, this word vatinatzel is a direct reflection of Yaakov's prayer Regarding his fears of Esav, what did he say in Perak Lamed Bet Pasuk Yud Aleph? Save me from my brother from Esav. And again, what happens after the nighttime struggle? I have been saved. He asked to be saved from Esav, but he is saved from the angel. Is there possibly a connection between the two? A third interesting reflection, which I once read in the writings of Rabbi Sacha Jakobsen in his book Binaba Mikra, a wonderful book, where he actually notes the similarity between Esav's meeting, Esav and Yaakov's meeting, and the struggle of the night. The struggle of the night is described as Vayavek ish imo adalot hashachar, and it is such a strange word Vayavek that the Mefarshim come up with all sorts of explanations. But when he meets Esav, it says, Vayechabkehu. It's very interesting, the word Vayechabek and Vayechabek are phonetically close to one another. But if you think about it visually, two people struggling and two people hugging is not such a different image. The question is what mood they're in, but two people hugging and two people wrestling, Vayechabek, Vayechabek, has the same choreography, it has the same phonetic sound, one wonders if there is a foreshadowing or a connection between the struggle in the night, the Vayavek, which led to the Vayachabek, whether the wrestling led to the hugging in some way. And as I say, the the the, the message of this of this dream, the message sorry, the message of this fight of the night is Kisarita Imanashim You fought with gods and with men and you prevailed. Kisarita Elohim. Elohim means the angel. But who are the Anashim? I know one person who he prevailed against, and that was Lavan. But who are the plural Anashim? Unless we claim that somehow in the night he is saying, Your name is Israel, Kisarita Elohim. 
You struggled with an angel and prevailed, and in Anashim who? Lavan and Esav. You were victorious against Esav. What we're saying is that somehow there are many candidates for what might have transformed or changed Esav. But the greatest metamorphosis might come from the most improbable place. That during the night somehow Yaakov is fighting with the spirit of Esav and he wins. Yaakov's spirit shows itself to be stronger than Esav, more righteous than Esav, more correct than Esav. And when they meet in the morning, all the bygones are really bygones because the old argument about the brachot has now been solved. And so uh, with Rashi, we have now offered an explanation of how the terrifying Esav becomes the loving brother, how the fear of the 400 men turns into a, a brotherly hug and kiss. And now we have to move ourselves back to the world of the Rashbam. Let us recall. In the world of the Rashbam, Esav is friendly from the start. Esav begins friendly and he ends friendly. Esav always had good intent. However, Yaakov needs some explanation. Yaakov appears to be terrified. Yaakov is worried. Even when he hears that Esav is friendly, that does not allay his fears. He thinks he's living somewhere in the past. He's concerned that Esav is going to kill him. He cannot believe that Esav has relinquished his anger. Now, this... If there's no drama about Esau, then there has to be some drama about Yaakov. And therefore, we're going to have to probe the character of Yaakov a little bit in order to understand what this story is about. What is this story telling us about Yaakov himself? As we mentioned, Yaakov begins his story in a sense of fear. And uh, we have to pay attention to this fear. After all, if Esau is showing himself as being loving, as being kind, as being a brotherly figure, why is Yaakov so scared? Let's try and spend a bit of time thinking about Yaakov's character here and try and understand that maybe we're looking to see how Yaakov changes. Yaakov, throughout the stories that we have learned about him, has always uh, tried to grapple against all odds, with very powerful people. Yaakov has always struggled, but in a very, very specific way. Um, he seems to have always avoided direct confrontations. In certain of the stories so far, Yaakov prefers to act secretly, stealthily, to achieve his goals, rather than engaging in a direct, frontal um, meeting. This is certainly the case in the episode of the Brachot, where he dresses up covered in animal skins rather than talking things through with his father. In that story, uh, he engaged in subterfuge, deceit, and he achieved what he wanted, but he paid a severe price. Likewise with Lavan, Yaakov avoids direct confrontation with Lavan. With, Lavan. Um, with the case of the flocks, he engages in his genetic engineering with the spotted and speckled sheep without actually talking to Lavan and raising his claims against him. When he leaves Lavan's house, he avoids direct confrontation and runs away in the night. And if you check out the language um, in 
in Parsha Vayetze, you see that consistently the word Barach, Ganavit Lev Lavan, is used. He, he runs out like a thief in the night. Yaakov always engages in meticulous planning, but this planning involves a dimension of deception. I think maybe according to the Rashbam, we have to view this story here as a case of Yaakov transforming himself from, and as we see the name change from Yaakov to Israel, a name change always means a deeper personality change. Yaakov, of course, is indicative of Yaakov's duplicitous nature, of his tricking nature. And of course, we know this from Esav's comments. When Esav turns around in the parsha of the Brachot and he says, that is why he's called Yaakov. He tricked me twice. He took my birthright. And now he took my blessing. Yaakov represents a sense of deception, of working behind the scenes, maybe very successfully, but in a sly, deceitful way. But how about the name Yisrael? In our story, it is, we are told, Kisarita it represents open struggle, struggle, hitmodudut, grappling with things. In Sefer Yishayahu, Perak Mem, there's the Pasuk which says, that the Akov, the crooked, the bent, the deceitful, will become Lemishar, flattened, straightened, Yashar. Yisrael is not only the sense of struggle, but it is the sense of Yashrut, of being straight. Yaakov has to change his personality. If Yaakov is going to become Yisrael, Yaakov is now at a nexus point where he is now creating a nation. There is not just one child in the next generation, there are twelve, and that twelve is going to become the kernel of an entire nation. What sort of nation is it going to be? Is it going to be a nation who tries to secure its future by working behind the scenes, hiding, engaging deception, or as a nation has to be, it has to represent itself honestly and openly, not trying to avoid confrontation, but engaging with people, confronting them, staking its claim, being proud and upright, and struggling Israel against man and God openly. This is what is going on in this story. Yaakov initiates contact with Esau. Um, and at the initial level, it would have appeared that Yaakov's fears of conflict were subsiding. After all, he initiated the contact with Esau. But the minute he hears from Esau, and he hears that Esau is coming with 400 men, Yaakov once again attempts to avoid conflict. He prepares for battle, prayer and gifts, but none of these really entertain the notion of a real frontal meeting. Think about Yaakov's battle plans. His battle plan is that the camp should escape, not that the camp should fight. Likewise, the whole purpose of the gift is that Yaakov should not confront Esav. He doesn't want to meet the angry, volatile Esav. All the time through, the phrase which is repeated by each of the ways of Yaakov's servants is the gum Avdecha Yaakov Acharenu. Yaakov is behind us. There's the amazing phrase, Ki Amar, Achapra Panav Minchaha Olechet I said, maybe I will 
atone for his face, but if you understand the word lechaper, I will cover his face, I will grease his face, I will grease his palm with the gift that is going before me, and afterwards I will see his face, Yaakov hopes that he will not really need to confront an angry Esau, that he will be able to fix the, uh, the, the product of the meeting, he will be able to fix the future meeting by the acts that he does in advance, and that he will not need to engage in a frontal confrontation. And this goes to the heart of this rendezvous, of this adversary in the night. We, we, we know the Pesukim. It says that Yaakov got up in the night and he takes his wives and his maidservants and his eleven children and they cross Ma'avar Yabuk in the middle of the night. Where is Yaakov going in the middle of the night? Why is he getting up in the middle of the night if he already has everything planned? Well, the Rashbam has a fascinating reading here. That he wanted to run away and that is why he crossed the Wadi, the Nachal, at night. And he says that he totally intended to avoid Esav. He went um, He wanted to escape. He didn't want to meet Esav at all. He wanted to somehow avoid confrontation. And that is exactly why says the Rashbam, an angel wrestled with him to prevent his escape so that he would see the fulfillment of God's promise and Esau would not harm him. Yaakov is running away. Yaakov is avoiding the meeting with Esau and it is precisely because of this that Hashem sends an angel to intervene. We might say that God comes to teach Yaakov a lesson of his own transformation. God orchestrates a fight which is a face-to-face meeting. And when Yaakov is finished with this fight, he suddenly wakes up and Esav is there. In this nighttime meeting, Yaakov receives the accolade, Yisrael. And Yisrael means, you've struggled with God a man, you've prevailed, you can do it. You can actually struggle with somebody and win. You don't always need to run away. You don't need to hide behind the night, behind the disguises. And you don't need to... Um, all, all, suddenly, all his preparations, his carefully orchestrated preparations of the gift and everything else fall away because when he comes to in the morning after this fight, Yaakov looks up and Esau's there. And when Esau's arrives, Yaakov has to, has to, has to talk to him. He has to meet him. And he suddenly realizes that he actually confronts Esau, but he doesn't need to hide from him. Imagine if Yaakov had avoided Esau. He would have been fearing from Esau all his life. Now that he has met Esau, he realizes that the threat is illusory, that the threat is imaginary, that the threat and the fear is only a product of his own paranoia. Now he can go through life with confidence. When it comes down to it, Yaakov has to deal with Esau face to face. We presented Rashi, and Rashi suggests that the transformation took place, the transformation which enabled Yaakov and Esau to meet as brothers and to hug, Took, the transformation took place within Esav. For the Rashbam, the drama of this story is not the transformation of Esav, but the transformation of Yaakov. That Yaakov learns that he has to have the confidence to face Esav and other, sal- ch- and other challenges, and that vis-à-vis Esav, 
he can assert his covenantal status unchallenged. And this indeed is the change of Yaakov to Israel. This is the transformation of Yaakov from fear to confidence. Yaakov is a covenantal leader of a future nation. And as such, if he wants to leave the nation with openness and a sense of self-security, Yaakov has to become Israel. Yaakov needs to understand that he can confront things in broad daylight. And that is exactly, according to the Rashbam, what the purpose of this story is. Thank you very much. We will meet again next week. Um, Shavuot Tov to you all and Shabbat Shalom. Exactly, according to the Rashbam,